Morning, friends. So, question for you to get you kind of thinking this morning. What kind? What comes to your mind when I mention the word meek? Meek. We'll just let you contemplate that for a moment. What comes to mind with the word meek? Meek. Now, uh, when I say meek, I'm not talking about Miko. Okay, I, I just want to make that clear. Uh, Miko is a character from the Pocahontas movie, and also currently a very popular plushie. If you're interested, and then of course there's our own Miko, um, <laughs> who is uh, preparing to do, from my understanding, a Karate Kid interpretive dance, which you're going to be witnessing soon. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, this is going to be really good. Uh, the name Miko actually means, if you have your sermon notes, this is probably the key point of the entire morning, a little mischief. Little mischief. That's what the word means. So how many of you would agree that this really does apply to our Miko? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good, good. A little mischief. <laughs> but we're not talking about that Miko. We're talking about the word meek. Meek. What does that word mean? The dictionary defines meek like this. Showing patience and humility, easily imposed on, submissive, spineless, spiritless, compliant, soft, or tame. So if we're kind of wrapping this word up in our common vernacular, it means a wimp. It means a doormat. Uh, all of these kinds of words come to mind when we use that word meek. Meek. Now, is this accurate? Unfortunately, I think the flavor of these definitions that we're currently thinking of has carried over to our understanding of the meek and lowly Jesus. The meek and lowly Jesus. He was not some kind of effeminate hippie. I want you to know that. And no offense to effeminate hippies, but uh, that is not the biblical picture of Jesus. Not in any way, uh, shape, or form. Really, is this what Jesus is inviting us to become like, like that? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Now, in our current series called Mountaineering uh, with the Master, uh, we're examining Jesus' teachings from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5 uh, through 8, and we continue uh, this morning. But I just wanted to say, uh, it's been really good these last couple of weeks as we looked at, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And I really appreciated Greg and Beach taking the time to open their hearts to us last week. Wasn't that powerful? Yeah, yeah. Really, really well done. And I think uh, minister the grace of God in a way that uh, only experience can do. But we're pressing on. We're pressing deeper into the teachings of Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount, some of his first public teachings, I think are of vital importance to us. This morning our focus is on Matthew 5, 5. Now in your sermon notes, uh, you should have several different, yes, versions, translations, paraphrases, etc. Because uh, I think it kind of rounds out the understanding of what we're talking about here. Uh, NLT puts it like this, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. Blessed are the meek, the NIV says, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed, inwardly peaceful, spiritually secure, worthy of respect, are the gentle, 
the kind-hearted, the sweet-spirited, the self-controlled, for they will inherit the earth. That's the amplified version. How many of you use the amplified version? Yep, 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 good, good. Kind of rounds things out. Uh, The message, you're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. We're coming back to that one a little later in this message. And then my favorite, King Jimmy, on this one. Uh, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I think it's a very accurate uh, translation of that passage of Scripture. So the word for meek or humble used here is really hard to translate and even more difficult for us as Americans to get our head around. Very, very difficult to grasp the concept of this word. So let's wrestle with it just for a bit. Our English words often fall short of its intended meaning as Jesus would have used that because it's this idea of showing power through tenderness. Showing power, having power through tenderness. Now we think of them as opposites at ends of the spectrum. You're either powerful, domineering, or you're tender and kind of a doormat. And to blend these two is exactly what Jesus was speaking about. And so we've got this balance, we've got this blend, we've got this fusion between two very different concepts, one being extremely tender and compassion, the other being incredibly powerful and yet keeping that power under control. And so this is where we begin our understanding of what Jesus was talking about when he said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed, happy, contented, uh, at rest with this idea of being this kind of an individual, of being meek. Now the Greek word prau is an interesting word. It means humble and gentle, and that's why you see those words used in the different translations. You can translate humble or gentle, all the same word, prau. Now, it's interesting to note that the, the root word, uh, if we look and examine that, the root word is soft or mild. Soft or mild. And so we get that flavor in there. Uh, soft or mild. And so in, in writings at that time period, it might be used to describe a soothing medicine or this gentle light breeze that's blowing over you. Very comforting, right? But the word was also used of a high-spirited colt who was broken by a trainer in order to be useful. And if that colt was not broken, it would not be useful. And so you see the contrast from this light breeze to breaking the, the will of a colt in order for it to be useful. And so we begin to get the concept of what this word might mean for us today. And so it looks like gentleness of spirit, of being submissive, of being quiet and tender-hearted, but it's a whole lot more than that. So let's keep working on this. Let's start with what meekness isn't, okay? Meekness is not cowardice. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not even niceness. Niceness. I'm sick and tired of niceness. You don't find that word in the Bible. Niceness. Early on, most kids are taught to be nice. Be nice to your brother. Be nice to your sister. Be nice to the dog. Be nice to your mom. Be nice. Be nice. Be nice. We teach kids to be nice. That is not biblical. It is not biblical. Niceness is acting a certain way even though our heart isn't even close to it. 
So we begin to act a certain way, but inside of our hearts, we're acting a completely different way. So we begin to put on this Christian facade of niceness. Aren't we nice people? My, we'll know they're Christians because they're so nice. Yeah. My goodness. This is not a biblical concept. And I think we're doing a kids, uh, our kids a disservice and our grandkids a disservice by teaching them to be nice. You can be nice outwardly, but inwardly you're not nice at all. The idea is to bring the character and the action together. So that we are acting the way that we really are, not putting on this fake act of being nice people. Aren't you people nice, you evangelical Christians? You're so nice. Right. Jesus was not nice. Making my point? Good. Jesus was not nice. Christians are called to be far more than nice. Jesus invites us to be meek. Big, big difference, friends. Huge difference. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is about courage. It's about conviction. It's about resolve. It's about this this whole idea that we began with. The focus of our life being power under control. Power under control. You see, too much of a good thing can be a bad thing. Do you agree with that? Too much of a good thing can become a bad thing. Uh, for example, I've been fighting this cold congestion crud for well over a month, right? But if I take too much medicine, that <laughs> isn't a good thing. In fact, it will harm, not hasten cure. Too much of a good thing becomes a bad thing. A wind or fire out of control is destructive. Wind by itself, fire by itself, no problem. When they're out of control, just ask the folk in Southern California what that means to their lives. It's ravaged that part of the country. And so here it is, out of control. Emotions out of control are disastrous. And so in stark contrast to biblical meekness then and humility that we're talking about are these celebrated American virtues of pride, independence, and assertiveness. That's why you're an American, because you are proud, you are assertive, you are independent. You are self-sufficient. Right. And so the strong, the beautiful, the powerful, the intelligent, the privileged, that's who we worship, that's who we idolize, that's who we follow. But brace yourself for an election year when all we're going to hear are a bunch of talking heads and politicians in endless speeches and debates telling it like it is. We're going to tell it like it is without regard for politeness and respect. And that just galls me. All this rhetoric. But I'm just going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you like it is, whether you like it or not. (laughs) Because we're American, and we are independent, and we are assertive, and we speak our minds. Okay? Okay. And so entertainers glamorize them in their movies and lifestyles, and sports icons reinforce them by celebrating with great passion a tackle for a two-yard loss as if they somehow hit the lottery. Woo-hoo. You're paid millions of dollars to do this. What in the world is happening here? Hmm. And so meekness, <laughs> meekness is nearing the bottom of our desired character qualities in our country. If you want to be a meek person, you're kind of a bottom feeder of the great American dream of being independent and strong and resourceful and self-sufficient. 
So Jesus' words are revolutionary because the context in which he said them were the dominant Roman iron fist ruling and Caesar all-powerful. And great fear and intimidation is the way that got things done. And Jesus comes with this incredible message of meekness. Meekness. The mightiest and greatest person who ever lived or whoever will live was meek. Do you understand that? Here's what Matthew wrote. Tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is prau. He is meek. Riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. This is the king of kings and the lord of lords, and he's riding into Jerusalem on a donkey's colt? This is totally upside down, inside out, backwards. This is so wrong at so many levels. Here is the greatest king ever, and he's riding on a donkey's colt. Hmm. But that's the way Jesus described himself. Here's what he said. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, for I am humble and gentle, prau, at heart. I am meek, Jesus said. And it was revolutionary. It was revolutionary. Who is this king proclaiming to be meek? Hmm. Having this attitude in us that was in Christ Jesus will make us a revolutionary just like him. Now, we have a decision to make. Are we going to be conformed to the culture that's all around us, that prides itself in assertiveness and independence and self-sufficiency? Or will we choose the Jesus path? And he said, blessed are the meek, contented in life, satisfied are those who are meek. Hmm. That leaves us with a choice of attitude, day in or day out. But the world's pushing in on us. Our culture pushes in on us. Be like this. Be like this. So how do we live this paradox out practically in our everyday lives? I think we do it by our actions. I think we do it by our actions. Now, kind of an opposite concept of meekness is stomping on your head taking revenge. If you've wronged me, I'm going to wrong you. That is the opposite concept then of meekness. Here's what Paul would say about that. Dear friends, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God, for he has said that he will repay those who deserve it. Don't take the law into your own hands. Instead, feed your enemy if he is hungry. This is meekness. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, and you will be heaping coals of fire on his head. In other words, he will feel ashamed of himself for what he has done to you. Now, meekness doesn't mean becoming a doormat. I say, hey, I don't like what you're doing to me. I'm going to kill you. But I'm going to kill you with kindness. I'm going to kill you with kindness. And I am not going to take the way the world would respond. I'm not going to go down that road. Oh, no. God is your judge, not me. I'm not going to judge you. That's not for me to do. I'm not going to take the law into my own hands. But guess what? I'm going to respond to you. And I'm going to respond in a way that is so different that it won't make any sense to you or to me, right? That's when I know we've got something cooking here. That's what the meek does and do and become. We do it by our actions and by our words. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Absolutely. Meekness doesn't fly off the handle or shoot from the hip. 
Now, let me just say that by our words, and I want to be very careful with this, by our words, many words today are unspoken. And you'll sit behind your little keyboard and you'll type some of the nastiest, most ridiculous stuff imaginable. I just like, boom. That's why I don't do Facebook. It's too stupid. People say stupid stuff all the time. I don't even want to put that into my noggin. I don't want to put that in my noggin. And so when I'm saying by our words, words don't necessarily have to be spoken. They can be typed as well or texted, right? All kinds of way to communicate today, right? But I'm saying this meekness will be expressed by our words, by our words. Meekness doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't shoot from the hip. Meekness means quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Slow it down, slow it down. Slow to speak, slow to speak. Rather than responding like that. Meekness has a different way. I also think it's shown by our responses. Now, taking the high road is where it's at. Becoming a climbing companion with Jesus. He invites us to come climb with me. So our responses to life situations have got to be different. For example, when another driver cuts you off, take the high road. That means not responding by anything with bird-like gestures. I'll give you just a moment to think about that. Okay? Not responding in bird-like gestures, tailgating, road raging, doing that kind of thing. When a coworker makes you look bad by trying to make herself look good, take the high road. Kill her with kindness. When your spouse does something that could be taken the wrong way, take the high road. When a Southsider says something careless, something they shouldn't have said, take the high road. When someone says something that is downright wrong, malicious, hurtful, mean-spirited, inappropriate, take the high road. Do it with kindness. It's not niceness. It's kindness. And when your dog takes a dump on the treadmill, oh, boy. Let, let me explain this one, all right? So Monday night, right, it got real cold, wind chills below zero. Let the dog out. Dog doesn't poop. This is our dog. She's an Australian doodle. She is incredibly smart, right? But she's not a big fan of really cold weather. So put her out. She doesn't poop. So Tuesday is my day that if it's nice out, I'll walk her. If it's not, I do P90 in the basement. Monday, I go to the Y. Tuesday is P90 morning, right? So this is my workout partner. I put Teak on the treadmill. She loves the treadmill. I do P90 right beside her, right? So I'm doing P90, right? And I go... Oh, 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 oh. No. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. And if you could see, the treadmill goes right up against the wall. Tika, <laughs> oh, 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 I love you. So anyway, Tika's laughing. She's having a good time with this. Uh, so she takes a dump on the treadmill, right? So I stop my workout. I flip the treadmill up, right? Now, Tika only weighs 35 pounds, but she pooped like a Great Dane. I mean, it was absolutely this big. And then sometimes it sticks on the treadmill and goes around. You guys know where I'm going with this. And you know what I'm doing? I'm thinking about this message, and I'm thinking about this point. I, I'm literally, I was thinking about this point. I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to respond? 
So I tried to remain very calm, right? And <laughs> I gotta go. I don't have time. So oh, here's what happens, right? This is this big glob. So I, I pick it up with a paper towel and I run it up and I throw the toilet and I flush the toilet. And it clogged. <laughs> so I go to my wife and say, where's the plunger? It's rising, right? This is going from bad to worse. She says, buy the dryer. No, it's not by the dryer. So finally found the plunger. Get it just before. It was right up to the limit. <laughs> and I'm thinking, blessed are the meek. Right? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that dog. Oh. <laughs> But the point I'm trying to make is this is reality in everyday life. In the smallest of happenings and the decisions that we make. I want the Lord's blessing and contentedness in my life. I need to learn this lesson over and over and over again. And my responses will be an indicator, as Michael shared earlier. Am I making progress in this area? Am I more like Jesus? So let's not settle for the small and selfish attitudes, the values and behaviors that the world is trying to conform us into. I don't want to walk with the loud and proud. Jesus walked the high road with meekness and humility, and he invites me, and he invites you, take a walk with me. Walk with me, not the loud and the proud, with the meek. And he invites us. And like each of the Beatitudes, there's a promise of God's blessing for those who decide to ascend with Jesus, to become his climbing companion by descending into greatness, by meekness and humility. Those who will do this, such a contrary kind of notion, they will inherit the whole earth. Now, Jesus at this point was teaching from a very familiar verse they all understood, the Jews in the crowd, Psalm 37, 11. The meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Almost the same words Jesus is using here. What does this mean? Just one word I want to draw attention to. Kleronomeo means to get possession of, to be given or to inherit. Something is given to you. Something you don't deserve is given to you. You inherited. When God created man and woman, he gave them dominion over the whole earth. Genesis 1.28 says he made it. It's yours. You do with it what you want. I'm giving you dominion over the entire earth, God said. Since Adam and Eve stumbled into sin, we forfeited our rightful inheritance that God had given us because our sin has separated us from God. But the time is coming, and I believe sooner rather than later, when God's children once again regain their rightful inheritance over the whole earth. It isn't the powerful or the beautiful or the wealthy who will inherit the new world. Not because of those reasons. Because you can be powerful and wealthy and be incredibly meek as well. It's always to do with the attitude of the heart. It is the meek who will inherit the whole earth. Now, what does that mean? It's those who have answered the call to forsake their sin and selfishness and follow the Savior. But it's not just for then when we're in heaven, the might of meekness is right here and right now for us. And the promise of meekness is right here and right now. That's where I like the message. That's the moment. That's the moment. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. 
<laughs> and when life presses you back against the wall, there's a moment and you realize no matter what the outcome of this is, it's going to be okay. And my response has got to be one of meekness. How will I handle this? How will I handle this? Answering Jesus' challenge changes our character, which then transforms our conduct into that of Jesus. It changes our character first, then our conduct, not the other way around. And Jesus was gentle. He was meek. He was humble. However you want to use that word, that's who he was. And this has got to come from the inside out. So how do we become meek? Do we ask for it? I just want to caution you about asking for meekness. It's like saying, God, I need to be more patient. Make me more patient, God. (laughs) You better get ready to have your mind blown. You want to pray that one, right? Better hang on to your hat because something's going to happen, right? Not a bad prayer, but just be ready for it. That's all I'm saying. So if you say, God, I'd like to be more meek, he's going to find some ways to push and test you in that area. So how do we become meek? Now, Paul wrote in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, which one of those words do you think is the word we're talking about today? No, actually, it's gentleness. It's gentleness. That's probably the same word. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, Paul's saying, stay with me on this, Stay with me on this. Paul is saying this is a fruit of the Spirit. This is a fruit of the Spirit. So, if meekness is a part of the fruit of the Spirit, by the way, it's not fruits of the Spirit's singular. It is fruit of the Spirit. It is one entity. How do we get it? John recorded Jesus' teaching like this. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. He's not talking about apples and pears and olives, and grapes. He is talking about spiritual fruit. So if we're going to produce much fruit, we have to be attached to the vine because apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, we can do all things apart from Jesus, but if we're going to be able to produce the fruit of the Spirit, the only way to do that is by being attached to the vine. Okay? So if we are attached to Jesus, then the natural flow of things will mean we will produce fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is a byproduct of being in Christ. It's a byproduct of being in Christ. In other words, we don't need more meekness. We need more Jesus. And if we have more Jesus, we'll have more meekness. Because that is who He is. Does that make sense to you? So if we say then, I need meekness. I don't need more meekness. I need less of me and more of Jesus. And if I have more of Jesus, I will be like Jesus, who was in fact meek. Is this making sense to you? Good, good. So the question then becomes to us, as we close this one down, how do we get more of Jesus? I only got a couple sentences left in my notes, folks. So I'm throwing that out to the theologians here. How do we get more of Jesus? If I get more Jesus, I get meekness in that package. How do I get more of Jesus? Go ahead. You answer the question. Because I want to be more meek, which means I mean more of Jesus. How do I get more of Jesus and less of me? How do I do that? Okay, worship team, get up there, crank it up. We'll have an altar call. You can come and pray. I don't think so. I'm asking you. Go ahead. How do I get more Jesus? Spend more time with him. 
Okay. Hmm? Ah, coming back to that one. Go ahead. Like I said, we have all of Jesus. Problem is, is he doesn't have all of us. Ah, we have all of Jesus. The issue is we don't give ourselves fully to him. We've got all the Jesus we're ever going to need. If you know Jesus as the one who has redeemed you, the way maker, the miracle worker, if you know him, you have all of him. He doesn't leak out. You got all of him. So if he doesn't leak out, you got all of him in you. What's the issue? The issue is me. Who's on the throne of my life? And Dr. John says it's a matter of surrender. That to me is the key word. That to me is the key word because we're faced moment by moment, decision by decision. Whose will is more important? Jesus prayed, not my will, but Father, yours be done. He constantly prayed that prayer. Not my will, but yours be done. And so if I pray, Jesus, not my will, but yours be done because I want your character in me, which will change my conduct, which will change my word, which will change my responses. I can't do anything. You see, over here was a good answer. Spend more time with him. But that's the evangelical response to most everything which galls me. You want to get more spiritual? Pray more. Read your Bible more. Meditate more. Are all those good things? Absolutely fantastic things. Necessary things. But just reading the Bible more does not necessarily make you more like Jesus. I want to make that very, very clear. It's a matter of surrendering our will, then letting the Word of God do its work in us. Big, big difference. Huge difference. Spending time with Him. Yes, should we all spend more time with him? Yes, absolutely. But that doesn't necessarily equate to being more meek. Doesn't work that way. Because Jesus is dealing right here with the heart. He's dealing right here with the heart. And I've got to surrender my will to him. So how do we surrender our will to his? In the words of Paul, I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. Good. And so having Galatians 2.20 right there, right? And when that situation happens, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In this life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Right? So when I'm confronting that situation, emotions are flying, everything's going south, right? i got to come back to this fact. It is Christ in me. Jesus, help me in this moment. Help me in this moment. Because things are out of control. And I feel myself. I'm getting out of control. And my own selfish nature is responding. I don't like that. Jesus, help me to back up. Help me to be quiet. Help me to rest in you. Good. How else? How else do we surrender to his will moment by moment? Humble yourself. Okay, how do you humble yourself? Doing his will. will. What is his will? Okay, but I like this. It's always going to end up in love. (laughs) That's AA speak. And you know what? It's spot on. Say that again. 
powerlessness and accept that he has all the power and ask him to take the control. Yeah. Accept my powerlessness in that moment and acknowledge his power over all things and to say, you're in control. Now, this is what a person NA or AA is going to constantly, this is a mantra that's going through their head, right? And when temptation comes, this is very vital to resisting that temptation. I am not in control. In fact, I am out of control. You control all things. I am powerless in this moment. I'm going to be swept away by my own selfishness. I have to first confess that. Then I have to confess that he is all-powerful. And I give it to him. I don't want to oversimplify this, nor do I want to overcomplicate it. But we throw these terms around, I'll surrender to Jesus. Surrender to Jesus. What does that mean? How do you do that? What does that look like? Take one more. Somebody else. Please. I think for me, it's a moment-to-moment thing. It is a very intentional, very mindful, intentional effort towards what everybody here has said because it's against our nature. Ah, Good. So Lisa is against our nature. I have to be very mindful, very intentional about that moment. Because that's the moment when you realize you're the proud owner of everything that can't be bought. That he's in control and I'm not. It's intentionality, I think, that goes with that. Right? And with that intentionality comes going on the offense and making sure we're ahead of that when it hits us. To the degree we can be ahead of it. Right? If we know we're weak in that area... Prepare. Get ready. Because that's where it's coming, right? And then when it happens, we're going to be intentional about what we do in that moment. Otherwise, we are subject to our own emotions and will and whims and how this thing should go down. We start leaning on our own understanding. Where does that get you? Yeah, yeah. So, what I'm saying by all of this, very good answers. I really appreciate your input. Are we surrendered to his will this morning. Think of where we are in life. Are we surrendered to his will? Are my thoughts and my actions, are my responses filled with me first, or my way, or my way or the highway, or my way is the only way, or my way is the right way, or whatever else we're thinking? Or do we respond in meekness that comes from intimacy with a master? This intimacy that says, I'm powerless. I need you desperately in this moment. That situation you're in, that relationship you're in. Are we willing to admit that? Would you climb with me? Would you climb with me a little bit higher? Jesus has got a lot more to teach us. But this I know. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Help me, Jesus. Help me. Waymaker, promise keeper, miracle worker. Do that in my heart right now. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, how grateful we are for your word. Your word is truth. 
and the truth sets us free. And even as I think of my life this last week, the times that I responded in an unmeek-like way, I ask you to forgive me. And I'm asking, Lord, for more of Jesus and less of me. Not my will, but yours be done, Father. I want to respond as Jesus would, but I want to do it not because of my conduct, but because of my character, rooted and established in Jesus. Take me deeper, Lord. Help me to climb higher. I want to be more like you and a lot less like me. So, Father, would you help us that we might be a collection of powerless people empowered by the Spirit of God, exhibited by meekness, Thank you. Thank you, Lord. You are answering prayer right now. His hearts are open to you. Situations are being brought to mind right now. Change our heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Thank you, Lord. Might this be a week of freshness in our journey with you. Burn this truth into our hearts. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. And together all God's people said, Amen.